You are listening to the Welcome to Carb Sets Exchange. Climate is the world. My tag team partner, the honor of Earth's Bowl, Nicole. What's called the I'll tell you what, I'm in a better mood tonight than I was last time we talked. We're talking SummerSlam 92. We're not talking about whatever happened on Dynamite the other night. I'm in a way better mood than I was uh, a few days ago. I, I'm with you there. I'm excited. Uh, we're going in our Wayback Machine uh, almost exactly 30 years to the day. As we record this, tomorrow is the official 30-year anniversary of when SummerSlam 1992 was recorded. Uh, it aired on August 31st, so it aired two days later in the States. Uh, we're at Wembley Stadium in London, England. A crowd of 80,355 people reported, although uh, knowing Vince McMahon, those numbers could be doctored uh, if you listen to, to certain uh, dirt sheet writers. Uh, I'm not going to comment one way or another, but I'm excited. I think this. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. This was a fun show to watch, uh, more so for me on the commentary side, because you've got the late, great Bobby Heenan sitting next to Vince McMahon, and those two were working some magic tonight, let me tell you. <clears throat> this is a greatest hits uh, of Bobby Heenan, if you're a Bobby Heenan fan, I mean, which I am. I mean, he's one of the all-time greats, and I think something the younger generation needs to understand. I've probably seen this 1992 SummerSlam probably over – a dozen times in my life. And there's still things I pick up from it, whether it's a Bobby Heenan comment, uh, a, a background sign, a joke I didn't get when I was 12 years old when SummerSlam 92 happened. So going back and watching that part of it, hearing Bobby Heenan, hearing those jokes that went over my head at the time, and now chuckling out loud about them, uh, really shows how old uh, uh, I've become, but also... Um, just how long I've been a wrestling fan and really just how good of a show this is. If I've you know seen this show over a dozen times and keep going back to it. Oh, absolutely. And we're, we're not into the attitude era. We haven't quite reached the new generation era, but we do have some new generation stars that are up and coming. Two of which, well, one of which I should say is in the, <clears throat> the quote unquote main event. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, <clears throat> Like I said, we got Bobby Heenan, we got Vince McMahon. Bobby Heenan, right off the bat, announces himself as the King of England. Fantastic. <clears throat> he's, he's already on fire, and the show is barely a few minutes started. Well, he's, he's introduced as, you know, he introduces himself as Sir Bobby Heenan, okay? Um, makes, makes that point clear. He also, uh, you know, the, the first thing that made me laugh about the show, and I'm not trying to get off the Bobby the Heenan subject, was... Ico Pro for everyone that cares about their body. <laughs> yes, indeed. It has been so long since we have heard about Ico Pro and oh. I, such a such a fun time back in the, this day when this was honestly hyped up on every WWF show at the time. Uh, because it was part of their branding. Tell us a little bit about Ico Pro, Nick. <clears throat> oh man, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was the brainchild of Vince McMahon. It was part uh, an exercise uh, dietary lifting supplements, and it was supposed to coincide with the 
the WBF, uh, the World Bodybuilding Federation. Um, that's something else for another date and time, man. The WBF uh, and how they went and signed Lex Luger, and he was allowed to uh, be around Vince and WWF, even though he was a uh, contract WCW time. Regardless, when I think of Ico Pro, that's what I, I think of. But I also, uh, it's either Vince McMahon going, Ico Pro for everyone that cares about their body. <laughs> or you got Lord Alfred Hayes, Ico Pro for everyone that cares about their body. You know, so that's what I remember about Ico Pro. <laughs> it was everywhere, all over programming, on banners. It was in their wrestling magazines. And Geez, we're not even five minutes in this thing, and we've already talked about Bobby Heenan and Lord Alfred Hayes. This is going to be a fun one. I I agree. Two legends in the business. Uh, we'll get some some fun with Lord Alfred Hayes later on, uh, but let me tell you the mat the match cards started off super strong. Uh, you've got the uh, the pairing of Mister Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, his partner Irwin R. Scheister, better known as Daddy Rotunda, Bray Wyatt's father, Bo Dallas's father, uh, against the oh, what a rush Legion of Doom, and this was this was great. Um, you've got Money Incorporated, as they're called. You've got Jimmy Hart coming out with them. Uh, Paul Ellering is with the Legion of Doom. Legion of Doom comes out on motorcycles. You've got Rocco sitting on the front of Ellering's motorcycle. The crowd is really into it. Uh, they're really hot for LOD right from the start. And this was a great way to start off, to kick off the pay-per-view in London, in my opinion. Oh, it's perfect. Perfect way also. It's like uh, 30 years ago when they did this pay-per-view, they knew we were going to do a podcast about it uh, nearly 30 years later. And, both the Road Warriors LOD on our Mount Rushmore's are the first match. Uh, I have on my notes here. Um, is this not the most badass entrance ever? I think this is the first time we've seen wrestlers ride motorcycles to the ring. Uh, it it might have happened somewhere else, but it's the first time that I can recall. Uh, so that always added to the allure of Legion of Doom. Um, and now looking back on it, knowing that uh, Hawk who the late great Hawk, I mean, Hawk and Anil are both passed away, but Hawk is messed up driving his motorcycle to the ring. Um, my favorite wrestler growing up was Animal. He just looks like a badass on that motorcycle, those shoulder pads. What a great entrance. The, the, the Money Inc. entrance, Money Inc. cracks me up. I had a friend tell me, and I, I always think about this now when I see Money Inc. When Money Inc. comes out, there's two of the four guys that have pinned Hulk Hogan at a WrestleMania. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. that is That's a, what that I always think about when I see Money, Inc. You know, there's two of the four guys who have pinned Hulk Hogan in WrestleMania history. So that's kind of cool. That's what I thought of. And at the beginning of the line when they're coming out or beginning of the match, Sir Bobby Heenan says, hey, when the Bank of England needs a credit line, they go to Money, Inc. And I'm just like, you know, I would have thought that was stupid when I was a kid. I still think it's stupid, but it's funnier now, you know, when I think about it. So I thought it was great. He didn't have so many lines. But I'm telling you, the, the Legion of Doom coming out on those motorcycles in Wembley Stadium with 80,000 plus people now. Uh, marked out and 42-year-old me still marks out to that moment. 
Oh, for sure. I'm, I mark out to their music anytime it hits in any show that I'm watching. It's so iconic. The WWE version, the what a rush. Uh, and them just coming out with the spikes and the face paint and the goofy haircuts, the ridiculous haircuts that nobody in their right mind should have. But it works for these two. Oh, my gosh. It worked for them. It, it paved them a career uh, that may never be seen again. And, you know, by off regard by many, you know, such as the great two minds in this uh, podcast as the greatest tag team of all time. Uh, but Money Inc., you know, no, no slouches either. Ted DiBiase and Mike Rotunda coming out and their gimmick with Jimmy Hart. Um, that kicks off the show. And the crowd, I mean, hats off to the crowd. WWF at the time put out uh, a big event in SummerSlam and Wembley Stadium, and the crowd showed up. They're, they're hot the whole night. I mean, Oh, they're hot during the Crush Repo Man match. Okay, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. I know if you got hey, if you tuned in to hear about the Crush Repo Man match, okay, go ahead. I don't know. I'm gonna guess fast forward and come back in about ten minutes. We'll be at that match by then. Okay, I know everybody's <laughs> looking forward to that one, but you know they're hot for that match. So a crowd like that definitely makes this show uh, better over time. I think helps it age. And I'm not ripping on the crowd. The crowd was great. But you look at some of the endings of these matches, as we'll get into as we go on, and you'll see that some of the booking wasn't the greatest. Right. And this match is definitely definitely up there with some of the booking. But the match itself, we get into the heat of the match, you know. Um, and you mentioned some Bobby Heenan lines. I have a few earmarks that we'll go over throughout the podcast. Uh, but please, this please, match, please do. This match was brilliant as far as tag team wrestling. You've got the heels in Money Incorporated. They're cutting off the ring. Uh, Hawk is the one who is doing the work. Animal is waiting, hoping to get the hot tag into into clean house. Uh, you know, he so much good. The Money Incorporated, I love the fact that Erwin Archer, that Mike Rotunda, can go out there and wrestle in suspenders, a, a nice button-up shirt and a tie. That is a testament to how great he is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, look at I don't know what I love more. more. I, I don't know what I love more, the suspenders or the tie. I don't know what would be harder to wrestle. I'm guessing probably the tie. The suspenders would be like a singlet, I guess, at times, but that tie is just too much. <laughs> and the fact that they're so bright, stand out red, he just screams, hey, look at me. I'm wearing a tie and suspenders, and I'm wrestling. And then get to go around and call fans, chat tax frauds, and cheat. I mean, what what a gimmick! I don't, I didn't appreciate it at the time, and now I just, I look back, I love it. And you, you're never going to see anybody uh, like that again, as far as the gimmick goes. And you know, as far as the wrestling goes, Rotunda is up there with with some of the greats for sure. Would I call him Mount Rushmore level? Eh, maybe, maybe not, but. Fantastic wrestler shows it in the ring. Him and DiBiase both hold this match so well, and that's nothing against the Legion of Doom. Fantastic wrestlers in their own rights, but I love the psychology of the match. I love there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of false tags between DiBiase and IRS. Um, 
caught one. The ref was over distracted by Animal. DiBiase and, and uh, Rotunda, they just switch places. And Heenan on the call, he goes, if you're close enough, you don't really have to tag. <laughs> See, simple lines like that make me laugh today. And other people would be like, that's not funny, but it is funny. <laughs> and, you know, you look at the product today, you don't have someone who stands out like Bobby Heenan in the way that Heenan and his one liner stood out. No offense to the Corey Graves, the Pat McAfee's, the color commentators of the world, but Heenan on commentary was a flat out master. Comedy gold through I would say ninety to ninety-nine percent of his shows that he was he was in the booth with. For sure. And that starts up front with him being a fan. He was a fan. You know, he's he's always been a fan and uh, he wrestled. Uh, in his career early than before the managing thing t- took over. And, you know, everybody says the same thing about the brain. Class act. Everybody loved him. And now looking back, when you said we're doing SummerSlam 92 a few weeks back, like the fair thing was, oh, Bobby's on the card. You get to hear Bobby the whole show. And personally, that's what I was looking forward to most uh, going back and refer- uh, reviewing the show. But I told you before we went on, you know, before we started uh, recording here on the eve of the 30th anniversary of SummerSlam 92 from Wembley Stadium. I told you, I said, I, I quit taking notes because there was so much going on. And it was not just with that first match. I took some notes here and there. But with Heenan and the crowd and it being so hot, and tell me this, I know you're going to hear this in your sleep. How many times did you hear that going on in the background? It's in my head right now. And not just in this match. Throughout the entire night, you heard The it. entire show. If someone took a drink every time that happened, they would have a blood alcohol content four times the legal level and probably on their way to the ER. It is unreal. Like That thing is stuck in my head. It's like I couldn't watch this. I broke this up in like 30-minute increments going back and watching it because that that damn Vuvuzela got in my head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to touch on one other thing with this match, and that is Jimmy Hart. Because oh, he no. has to be up there with some of the greatest managers of all time. He comes out, he's always got the paint, the airbrushed uh, jacket on, he's got his megaphone. Uh, I, I love him as a manager. You didn't get to hear him much during this show. Uh, but one thing that stood out during the match is he gets on the megaphone and he goes, Rocco can't help you now, big boy. And I just, that floored me. I laughed my ass off. <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to believe they found this this toy dummy in the rubble of the Chicago ghettos where they play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love I love everything about it. It was a good opener, a good tag, tag team match with four experts out there. Uh, in a hot crowd, it was a great way to set the table for for a good show. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, following this match, we get to one of the big underlying stories of the night. We go backstage with with Mean Gene Okerlund. Uh, Gino is there uh, with the greatest wrestler of all time, arguably, Mr. Ric Flair. Uh, they're talking about the title match. They're talking about... 
whose corner is Mr. Perfect going to be in for the world title match? Is he going to be with Warrior? Is he going to be with Macho Man? Nobody knows. That's the big throughout the night. No one knows, but guess who Scotland Yard has on the case? Our good friend, Lord Alfred Hayes. <laughs> and, and he'll come up in a few minutes here uh, because there was a little bit more in between before we get to Lord Alfred Hayes, but he is brilliant. Um, I know he is. I, I was sorry to drop the gun there, but oh, gosh. I, I remember uh, Brain makes a reference to him. I'm a, Lord Alfred Hayes in Scotland Yard, and I'm just like, oh, jeez. You know, the, too much. It's too much. <laughs> oh, for sure. And I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't watched the show in a long time. Uh, it didn't click in my head that 92 was the year that Flair was in the WWF. So I was excited to see Flair with Mean Gene. Uh, those two always really, um, I really love their work in, uh, in WCW. Uh, you know, I just always have this image or this this sound bite in my head. Mean, woo, by God, Gene. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> Those two were great together, and this was this was no exception to the rule. Uh, they, they play well with each other. Ric Flair, uh, you know, Oakland asked him at one point, "What are you doing in your robe and your?" wrestling gear and flair's like i stay ready i'm ready to go no matter what oh it, <laughs> this is the greatest this is great it is it's the greatest mystery of the night they planted early who whose corners mr perfect gonna be in oh but you're right flair with a good uh pro- promo not telling us in stage keeping the allure and the mystery to who mr whose corner mr perfect is going to be in i loved every second of it i love mean gene um i love i I love his work and i just i love hearing stories about him and i love seeing i love seeing the backstage the old backstage set uh the one that you had with with mean gene doing his interviews and then the one you had later with sean mooney in the uh, in the faux locker room if you will (laughs) absolutely and sean mooney you know i had forgotten about him completely until watching this, he's he's got to be up there with one of those great backstage interviewers. He does really does a good job for someone who probably is of the mid card of commentators or not commentators, uh, backstage interviewers. Uh, but I, I think his work is always solid. <clears throat> oh, for sure, for sure. And he plays right into the of of whomever he's interviewing. Um, and I forget, I believe, is he interviewing the participant of the next match? I I believe so. I didn't actually note that down. So I'm trying to picture, but I believe he is. And, you know, this popped to me, but probably not for the right reasons. Because mm-hmm. right after we and me, Gene, <laughs> we go to, of all people, a Virgil promo. Hey, this is, <laughs> hey, this is... This is August 92. Virgil was big. Virgil had worked himself into a freaking program at SummerSlam. Now there's people yeah, backstage who can't even get out of catering to get on SummerSlam. And then we have Virgil back in 92. But thank goodness, times are better. Um, 
I, I looked at this promo and I thought the fir- my first thought is why? Why am I watching a Virgil promo? You're right. He was big in 92, but. Oh, you're going to, you're going to find out why you're going to find out why here in a couple seconds, but go ahead. Uh, you know, he's, he's up against, uh, he's up against nails, which we'll unpack that in a minute. But my, my final thought watching the Virgil promo, he says, I am too legit to quit. And I'm just sitting here thinking, man, if you're going to quote MC hammer, you need to be wearing some hammer pants. I'm sorry. Well, I have on my notes, Virgil looks like a candy striper. <laughs> with those pants. And then, I don't care what anybody says about this. Go back and watch. This is incident number one. Virgil looks like he found some British blow backstage. Oh, my he, God. He has, got, he has got the snot trails flowing during this promo. Sweating like crazy with snot trails. Yeah, I think oh. I think Virgil found some booger sugar before his match. <laughs> you may be right. I did not catch that. Uh, you commented you on his pants. Will, hey, you will go back and look, and you will you'll die because Virgil's not the only wrestler on this card who found the booger sugar as well. In my opinion. Oh, oh Lord! Oh, that is that is classic i wish i had had clued into that when i was watching it now i I do have to go back and i've got to check that out (laughs) Uh, i you know we go into the match it's against nails uh he does not get a televised entrance and i think with good reason but i this is where i commented on virgil's pants he's running to the ring and i'm like man he stole those pants from the from a barber pole yeah i mean yeah, uh, Virgil. Virgil shows up. Virgil shows up in uh, wardrobe. Hey, what do you guys got for me? And they're like, "Oh, we were supposed to make something for you." So they looked at the scraps <laughs> and like they had a bunch of red and white stuff. And they're like, "Here, we'll we'll get something for you." My goodness, I, I, I you could go out there in your briefs and it would look better than that crap. Um, yeah. And then I just I laugh. I, I laugh this whole match. Nails. Oh my gosh, I forgot about nails. Totally forgot about nails until this match. Um, And I can't believe the pop Virgil gets. The British truly are really nice people. They really are. Like, they gave a crap about him when his music hit. Yeah, that just is unbelievable to me. I mean, you got to look at his history. I mean, the the rumor is that his name was a rib on Dusty Rhodes, uh, Virgil Runnels. He goes yep. over to WCW. They name him Vincent. Clearly a rib, yep. rib on Vince McMahon. Uh, this He is not a, a top star athlete in any organization. He's really the joke of the WWF, the WCW, a lot of times. And he's coming out and he's getting a solid pop from the crowd. I I can't believe that. Yeah. And he follows his predecessor, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. He's got the million dollar man opening for him. So Virgil really is at the top of his game in 92. And hey, when you're at the top of your game, you enjoy yourself. And I think he, I think he needed a little pep in that before he ran out there and got his butt handed to him by nails. He probably did. 
Now, in in my research, this is a little bit in the future, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Nails get fired from the WWF for choking Vince McMahon in his office, like physically, literally choking his boss? I don't want to put my name on that and say that's 100 percent true, but I believe I've heard some I've heard something to that effect before. And <laughs> Nails is another one of those that really makes sense. He's this big convict, uh, Nails, the, the convict against the cop with the boss man and Nails. Uh, but to come out and squash Virgil when he's getting uh, getting the pop that he is, you know, I'm surprised that. Virgil didn't go off script and use his excitement and his hype from, as you say, the the booger sugar and just go into business for himself here. Oh, I think Virgil. Hey, pro, Virgil's a pro's pro. He knows his spot on the card. He knows how much blow he's going to be able to do before he goes out there and and went out there and and he he did what he was supposed to do. Right? Uh, I believe he got believe he got the win with nails getting disqualified correct um yeah i think i think at the end i know nails put him to sleep with the sleeper but i think the ultimate outcome was he did get the win with a disqualification i'd have to i'd have to go back and look i did not have the outcome in my notes unfortunately no 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 you don't need to because there's about a million disqualifications on this card but that's another that's another story So let's leave Virgil behind us as we... Are you sure? Are you sure? Because... Probably should anyway. Listen, listen, I usually don't do this. I usually don't do this, but I'm going to let the people behind the curtain here a little bit. So we've had about two weeks to prepare for SummerSlam 92. And for about 12, 14 days, CZ here has been blowing up my text boxes and can't wait to talk about Virgil. Can't wait to talk about Virgil. I'm like, do you want to do your own show about Virgil? Okay. I'm sitting here trying to review SummerSlam 92, and this guy wants to talk about Virgil. So I, I only had two notes about Virgil. And <laughs> you mentioned the two legit to quit. That got a wholesome roll-your-eye chuckle from me. Uh, I, yeah. You're the big Virgil fan, so you take this where you want to go. <laughs> I think I think it's time to I think it's time to go. <laughs> oh, Virgil! You know I, the rumor has it nowadays he'll charge you twenty dollars for a picture. So go find Virgil wherever he is. Uh, he's probably lonely at some some convention somewhere with the me the lonely Virgil memes. But you know, let <laughs> I think we should let uh, let him rest for now and move on because we're getting to the good part here we've got uh, we've got the late great Lord Alfred Hayes trying to find out where Mr. Perfect is going to be where is he Nick he's standing right outside of Macho Man's locker room right standing outside Macho Man's locker room there is no answer that doesn't Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, I, I could. You, you go ahead. I mean, well, he's here's on. the thing. He, he flat out says this doesn't mean that Mr. Perfect is in there. 
What's that? It doesn't mean it doesn't mean he's in there, but it doesn't mean he isn't. Exactly. We're building that mystery. We don't know what's going to happen. Where is Mister Perfect? He's in there talking with Macho Man. For all we know, the door is locked. Can't get in to tell you for sure. Right, and that and Lord Alfred Hayes, I think, feels like he's jipping us, but that's that's all he's got to go off of. Yeah, you know he he's out there. He wants to solve the mystery, but I'm knocks, sorry, we can't. He knocks politely. He knocks politely, then pounds on the door. Lord Alfred Hayes has had enough of this crap and this backstage ribbing, and he's looking for an answer. We're not going to take it anymore. We're going to bang the door. We're going to knock it down if we have to. Politely. Lord Alfred Hayes would knock the door down politely. And he's, and he's, leaving, and he's leaving a trail of Coliseum home videos behind him. <laughs> Absolutely he is. So so after we see after Lord Alfred Lord Hayes, he's, he has no, no success getting into... Uh, getting into Macho's locker room. We're going to one of my favorite matches and my absolute favorite Bobby Heenan line of the night. We'll get there. It's not right away, but we've got sensational Sherry talking with me and Gene. Uh, we have a, a piece on uh, Shawn Michaels and Rick Martell. Uh, they're back and forth. What led to this match? Uh, I think this is great storytelling here. Um, Sherry has always been top-notch female manager, female valet. Uh, whether she's with the Harlem Heat, whether she's with Shawn Michaels, she knows what she's doing, and it shows. She's a pro. And yeah, and, and she sings Shawn Michaels' theme song. It's awesome. The original. She is the I singer. I have that noted down, and I am honestly on the fence which version I like more, whether it's Shawn Michaels singing it himself or whether it's Sherry. <sighs> Shawn's is bad because it's Shawn. But Sherry is just on there screaming. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I like Sherry. I like the Sherry version better, but Shawn's is good, too. I've always said, if you sing your own theme music, you're a, you're a bad you know, there's John Cena, there's Chris Jericho, I guess they're, you know, and there's John Michaels, right? Right. Arguably three of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And hey, don't forget our truth <laughs> Well, who could ever forget our truth The man's a genius, a comic genius in the modern era. And Jeff Jarrett. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 All right, man, we've really gone off now. Well, Jeff, no, no, that'd be Road Dog that's saying that. Yeah, that's very true. Big controversy, which uh, we'll have to talk about down the road. The whole uh, ain't I great uh, controversy. <laughs> oh, do you, do you know the word that's on? I'll tell you, I nod to. <laughs> I can well, it for you, it's but I funny you should I... say that because I'm a. I'm a big fan of uh, something to wrestle with. I've all, I've listened to Pritchard for a while, so uh -huh. I can I can sing some of it because Pritchard do do it. Spend my days working hard on the go, but the <laughs> but the hands hand on the, on the clock, clock keeps spinning, spinning too slow. slow. 
I can't wait to be alone with my baby tonight. Oh, <laughs> oh man. How did we get on that? <laughs> we are talking about Sherry Martell or Sherry sensational oh, Sherry the when you sing, Martell. Yeah, when you uh, sing your own entrance music, it's great. Oh, it absolutely is. And this match has to be one of my favorite matches of the show because just so many stipulations. Uh, like Nails, I was surprised that Martell did not get his own entrance, but I think it's because they wanted to put the spotlight on Shawn Michaels. You know, he is the up-and-coming big star going into this match. Um, and the big stipulation, because they're both they're both pretty boys, and as, or as Sean's music says, sexy boys, no hitting in the face. Oh, no hitting in the face because they are vying for the love and the admiration of one, sh uh, you know, sensational Sherry. So you got two pretty boys out here who have promised themselves they're not going to do any more damage to their, their money makers, their kissers. And then we get, uh, you know, with Sherry in the midst, we're in for a treat here. As, oh, absolutely. You know, this is, this is you know, low-cost production for WWF. So I love the Shawn Michaels entrance with the sensational one walking with a full-length body mirror behind him. Oh, that uh, was kind of great. Of the narcissist. But this is 1992. I'll give him some credit. Uh, but you're right. These guys, uh, two good wrestlers getting to go at it. Uh, two pretty boys, if you will. And then sensational Sherry in the midst. This was this was a fun match on the card. And we've been talking all night about Bobby Heenan on commentary. I love there's a line Vince throws out right towards the beginning. I think Sherry's missing some of her outfit. <laughs> I was I was taking a drink of water, and I remember that line. <laughs> I'm like, he's not lying. He's taking, she's, they're taking off his accessories, the dressing Sean to get him ready for the match. And uh -huh. that that right there, I'm just I'm just thinking, oh my god, where are we going? Heenan, Heenan was kind of early king, early king there with with some of those comments. Uh, I think she's missing some of her clothes. Uh, it was he was saying what everybody was thinking, but in the non perverted, uh, over the top way that the king was. King was just who knows what else. Bobby Heenan tastefully talks about, I guess, is the best way to put it. Ah, she's missing some of her clothes. <laughs> it's and, a good one. You know, this match, this match, I, I was impressed with the way this started. Not a lot of wrestling, but just a lot of fast moving, leapfrogging. Um, I've heard it said, you know, when you go down and when you when you go down to the mat and the the, the other guy jumps over you, uh, I've heard it said if you're not trying to trip your opponent, then you're doing it wrong. In that instance, but there's a lot of that back and forth across the ring, running, leapfrogging, just moving at a fast pace. Uh, 
Well, um, show me show me a match you see in the modern days where there's no punches. Excuse me. I think Martell is 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 young is blooming face here. You know, blooming face with Michael's work in the Michael's work in the heel. Because there was a lot of cheating that I noticed on both sides. That's why I asked that. Yeah, it was Rick Martell flirting with Facedom, I would say. Uh, okay. And doing the face thing to top Michaels's uh, heel antics, even though Martell was an arrogant heel. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. You Just know, kinda, it, it, a, good point to bring, a good point to bring up. A good point to bring up, CZ. I mean, we didn't see a lot of heel versus heel matches in '92, did we? We also we didn't see, see a, lot. a lot of, and we don't see a lot of face versus face matches. And and what's your main event on this show? You had two face versus face matches as your co-headliners, so it's a different card. And and here you have two uh, somewhat heels going at it. With the stipulation, and, and you have two heels going at it with the stipulation that they couldn't hit each other in the face. So that's kind of an added thing. You're going to get a a different kind of cheating, a tiptoeing around the cheating, if you will. And and you got that during this match. And despite oh. despite the heel versus heel tendency uh, or, or of this matchup, the crowd's into it because they both they want to see both guys get their clock cleaned. Interjection of Sherry Martell, and and you've got her uh, sensational Sherry. You've got the you know you've got a good match with a lot of moving parts, and the people leave entertained. It's fun to always go back and watch a Michaels uh, post Rockers and pre losing his smile before he got into the drugs real bad. And just seeing how this guy sold and flopped around, it's no wonder uh, he had back issues that kind of put the career to a close earlier than expected. Rick Martell, another guy who, as the model, part of Strike Force, was a former heavyweight champion of his own in AWA. Hopefully, as one guy we want to see in the WWF Hall of Fame in his just recently started coming back out doing signings and oh and when Rick Martell starts whispering sweet nothings and sensational Sherry's ear at ringside the crowd loves it the boy toy gets jealous <laughs> and it's magic it's magic go back and watch it and Bobby Heenan on this is tremendous after that match, which ends in some hijinks. I apologize. I am back. Oh, a little bit of a no. glitch there. We're not a problem. We're talking about uh, the post-match hijinks of Martell and Shawn Michaels. Uh, when when Sherry, who was not who was rendered unconscious, is 
uh, being carried back up the uh, the aisle and and gets water splash in her face. We talked about that. Well, that was you that can was add anything really- you want. We were talking about Michaels and Martell, how great of workers they were. I was talking about how Michaels. This is post rockers and pre him losing his smile and just how young he looks and and how he's selling and flopping around. It's no, it's no wonder he uh, had back surgery and didn't have a very or had a career that was shortened by injury. We had just wrapped up that match when you come back on. So you add, you go ahead and add what you want. And, you know, the only other notes that I have about that match there, you know, you have the no, no punt, no hitting in the face that did cause a slap battle at one point in the ring between the two of them. But <clears throat> my, my only other point with this match is Bobby Heenan on the call, as we've been talking about all show, two great lines. I know when a woman fainted, believe me. And then my all-time favorite line of the show, Heenan says, give her mouth-to-mouth restitution. (laughs) Restitution. (laughs) That got me both times I watched this show over the last couple of weeks. That line... And I'm telling you, and I'm telling you, him saying it that fast, there's a majority of people out there that didn't catch it and, and think that's the right word, right? Right. And I'm sure he did it on purpose. Oh, absolutely he did. Absolutely. So after so, Michaels and Martell, uh, we get probably one of the most anticipated uh, tag team matches of all time, right? <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, the natural disaster, natural disasters, defending their WWF tag team champions against the Beverly Brothers. Nick, let me ask you, what is your favorite Beverly Brothers match? Um, I don't know. I'm going to say all of them because I love <laughs> when the genius starts with his opening pros. Well, yeah, the genius really made the Beverly Brothers what they were. Uh, without without uh, Lanny Papo, I don't think anybody would really know or care about the Beverly Brothers. The Brothers Beverly. <laughs> I love I love the genius. Lanny Papo is so underrated uh, because his brother gets the spotlight way more often. Uh, I think, I think he, like I said, he's so underrated. He's brilliant. Uh, maybe his poetry isn't the greatest thing you've ever heard, but it's not supposed what? to be. It's supposed to be. <laughs> what? Fine. Don't ruin my childhood any more than it has been by these, you know, these, these lies I was told as a kid now being dispelled. No, I'm just kidding you. But oh, his poetry is so hokey. I love it. It's so bad, it's good. And I'll be honest, uh, I don't have a lot of pre-match. Pre-match, we see one of your favorite teams. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, of all time. Or that was yeah. Pre-match, did the nasty the nasty boys were promised uh, a title shot? Correct. That's that's uh, before the match of, of whoever won. 
they're they're backstage with Sean Mooney, and the the thing that stood out about that that interview, that promo, Jimmy Hart is back there guaranteeing that his boys are going to get their title match. Yeah, Jimmy Hart delivers. I mean, once again, proving why he's one of the best managers of all time. And I mean, could you imagine in 1992 buying a ticket to Wembley SummerSlam? And you get to go see the Beverly Brothers against the Natural Disaster. <laughs> oh man, I this why this you, wasn't the main event. I don't. You know. think I'm joking? I would be having the time of my life at this thing. Oh, I'd be having I mean, the time of my life at this thing. You got John Penta, the Earthquake, who was a legitimate badass. Did some sumo oh, wrestling over in Japan. You got Typhoon out here. And the Beverly Brothers were, I'm not saying they're they're ring generals by any means, but I don't think they're slouches. But No, I'm, I'm, I poke fun. Look, look who you had in your opener. You had, you, had LOD, you had LOD and Money, Inc., and neither one of those guys are your champs. Yeah, and, and like I said, I <laughs> I poke fun. It's all it's all in good fun here. Oh, but dude, I don't, dude. I I totally knew you were. But yeah, I mean seriously, the majority of the crowds will be disappointed with this match on the card. Oh, for sure. I mean, they, there are a lot of matches that age well. I'm not sure if the booking or putting this match on the card does. <laughs> no, I mean the natural disasters. They held the titles for a reason, but. Let's face facts. The Beverly Brothers are a C team uh, as in the tag team rankings, and there could have been uh, – okay, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to caveat it. There could have been somebody with more star potential in this match facing the tag team champions. But at the same time, there is so much star power on the card and coming up oh. later on yeah. That it would be hard to work someone else in and have a really good tag team match with what's coming up. Well, hindsight's always twenty twenty, you know, CZ. But it goes to show, you go back and look at every card. Everybody has their spot on the card for a reason. Every match is in its, sp in its place for a reason. Um, and you talked about earlier about matches and and whatnot and what was included. There were three dark matches that didn't make the show. Um, so this thing was on a, you know, with satellite time in 92, I'm guessing this thing was on a on a, uh, a very time um, you know, we've both been in the TV business, a time-limited basis with satellite in 92. Yeah. So um, you have they flew, all these guys, they flew all these guys over there, right? Let's use them. So they book all these guys. And, hey, into the crowd's credit, the, 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 they're into this match. I've seen worse tag team matches. But to looking back on it, it's like, wow, they are really into it for the Beverly Brothers and uh, natural disasters. And I, it's fun to see that. Yeah. I mean, all around, I think the crowd was just having a good time because – this is not something they have over there every day. This is not a product that they get to see on a regular basis like we do here in the States. And that's, you know, we're going to talk about this later in the show, but that's what I'm excited for with uh, the Clash at the Castle show. Just the crowd. They are going to be 
jacked. And there's going to be some matches, and we'll get to it later. But that's what I'm looking forward to is the crowd was into this one. You know on Saturday's show, the crowd's going to be that one. Oh, absolutely. I am excited for that. You know, the crowd's going to be on fire. Uh, we'll talk about that later because we've got the match card. We're just going to do a brief glance over because that's what we're talking about next week. Teaser. Um, but I think it's going to be an all-around good show. And, you know, just a little, uh, you know, to continue this little teaser, next weekend is a big weekend in wrestling all around. I'm excited uh, as a whole. You know, next to WrestleMania, it probably is the biggest weekend of the year uh, for wrestling. And Yeah. Uh, a little teaser there. We'll get to that to, at the end of the episode to tease the upcoming ones. But, uh, you know, Natural Disasters and, and, and Beverly Brothers got plenty of time on this show. Yeah. And I don't know how much more I can talk about them. I, I don't know that there is much more to talk about. I mean, he has another great I didn't, have, I didn't have that many match notes for that match, if that tells you anything. I'm I'm the same way. I did note another great Bobby Heenan line where he said, uh, in favor of the natural disasters, that it's eight against one <laughs> because <laughs> because of the. <laughs> uh, he's not wrong, folks. He's not wrong. He's not. Oh man! But you know, transitioning from the the tag titles match, bat we go backstage with Mean Gene one more time and. Two of the most bizarre men in professional wrestling in our time, Luke and Butch, the Bushwhackers. And my biggest thing with this, other than the ridiculousness of what they're talking about, they're both standing there flailing their arms up and down like they're walking to the ring the entire time they're talking to me, Gene. <laughs> Well, they were one of the they were one of the entrants or one of the participants in one of the dark matches, and the dark matches were not the dark matches for this show are were not your standard dark matches. They had three dark matches. They had one and two right before the show, and then three was mixed in with the show. So they obviously really? took this. Yeah, they obviously just had their you know had them cut their promo and their energy. But they were on. They were one of the dark matches. Okay. And I'm assuming with their being on, with them being given the satellite time, that that dark match was the one that was in the middle of the show. I'm, I can only I, assume. I'm guessing, I'm guessing so. I'm guessing so. I have to go back and look to be 100 percent sure. But yeah, they were on the show. It just wasn't on the pay per view, or didn't make yeah the final cut. And I I was uh, I was at home today. I visited. Uh, visited with my sister and everybody out there. And one of the people I stay with is another big wrestling fan. We were talking about the Bushwhackers. We both get up and start doing the little stomp. And she grabs my head and is acting like she's going to lick my face because that's another thing they did. I'm surprised they didn't try and lick Gene on the forehead. Just watching these guys. They're crazy, and if you want to see them go back, they were kind of homogenized, pasteurized in WWF, but go back and watch early stuff of them as the sheep herders. Oh, man. And they're, they're heel bushwhackers, so they're even more maniacal. It's, I always thought the bushwhackers were, you know, it's Vince. It's over the top. 
um, we have the stereotype roles. Um, but look them up as the sheep herders, and you won't be disappointed. They they put on some good matches. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Eight, hey, this was the SummerSlam that wasn't supposed to happen. Remember, you hear that a lot. Repo. I'm getting the hang of myself. Oh, no, no, no. We are backstage. Uh, Lord Alfred Hayes is knocking on the door. Oh, no, 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 no. He's knocking on the door. He's barging into the locker room of the Ultimate Warrior. He says he's going to break professional, you know, and barge in. But then he gets mad. It's like, you barged in, Lord Alfred. That that wasn't rude. That was very (laughs) rude on your part. And, you know, he, it serves him right. He tries to barge in. He gets the door slammed in his face. And now Lord Alfred Hayes got the door slammed in his face. And this is what we've all been waiting for. Oh, yes. Your review of oh, Repo Man and Crush. Now, listen, just two years ago, these guys were fighting the Hart Foundation in a two out of three falls match at SummerSlam for the World Tag team titles. My but how Repo the money man, Repo Man as Smash, and there's Brian Adams as Crush. They both were in Demolition at yeah. that time. And that <sighs> two out of three falls match from '90 SummerSlam. So, if you ever get a chance, go back and watch that one. I put that on my notes, and we have. Uh, Participant number two in the Booger Sugar. Uh, they found the baggie of the Booger Sugar, and that's Crush. Look at this close. Look at the close-up. Go back and look at the close-up of Crush when he's introduced, man. He's got the Virgil Vapor Trails coming out of his nose. <laughs> so definitely something you want to uh, go back and look at. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm going to have to watch that again. Take a second take at that. Um, I I don't have a lot of notes for this match. Uh, my biggest note: you put a mask on Mark, Adam Pierce. You got to you, you got to be kidding! You got to be kidding! This was a four and a half star classic. You got to be kidding me! Why do you not have notes? Because I don't have notes either. So I it can't wait to hear your reason. <laughs> would have been a six star match in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, in Japan, for sure. <laughs> uh, my my biggest note, and I always. I've heard this from other people making fun of him. Uh, you put a, like I said, you put a mask on Ad- Adam Pierce, and it's cr- it's Repo Man's son. They are well, related. They look like they're related. Let's do it. Why? What's stopping them? <laughs> Take no. Next time, seriously. Next time you see a picture of Adam Pierce, paint a little black face mask over his eyes. Tell me you don't see it. Well. It does make sense. You had Axe, Smash, Crush, and when he was wrestling, he was Scrap Iron Adam Pierce. Uh, he's your former former NWA champion and Ring of Honor wrestler. So, yeah, Axe, Smash, Crush, and Scrap Iron. I, I get it. I see it. 
<laughs> absolutely brilliant. And then we go from this match to another hype up of our favorite product, Ico Pro. Hey, bo- Pro. Hey, boy. Nick, I think hey we're boys. having a run in here. Yeah, it's, it's DJ Jarvis's music. What? Yeah. So I just had a, a, I had a quick trivia question here for you. Oh, no. Oh, I, no. I, I know that you guys are talking 1992 SummerSlam right now. Or, or, or were. So when 1992 SummerSlam happened, what number was higher? High school diplomas for the two of you or the aggregate age of my wife and I? Um, the aggregate age of your wife and yourself. I, I have to agree with that. I will say only because I was over, uh, we were about one, one year and about five months old at that point in time. So Okay, I didn't have a diploma yet. I was only 12. I was, about, I was 12 years old too. All right, well, you know. I just wanted to make sure I let you guys know that uh, you're pretty old, and I do hope you guys are having fun tonight. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, hey, I'm here. I'm here to tell you the next 12 years of your life are going to go by in about three weeks, and you're going to be old too. I I, I, I understand. I understand. <laughs> well, I just I, you, tribal chief. It's going to go fast. Well, we're glad. Hey, we're glad that you stopped in. And acknowledged us. We are just so happy that you did that. Uh, all right, Nick. Hey, Nick. Uh, I think is what week six that uh, Chiefs Bucks play. We might have to uh, have a little run in at the Highview Lounge. Might have to, man. Might have to. No holds barred. DJ, right. while you're here, uh, give us. I know it's a couple weeks out, but give us a little preview of what you're going to be talking about on your end. Oh, yeah, we got uh, four fantasy sake kicking up in about uh, two weeks from today. Just giving you the rundown of uh, fantasy football, making sure every uh, Buccaneer player is out of your lineup uh, so you can win your matchups. Come on, they're not all that good, but a couple of them are definitely worth it being your lineup. <laughs> uh, only the old man, only the old man. <laughs> uh, he's a good one. He's a good one. But I, I don't know if he's as good as the blow that Crush and Virgil were doing at SummerSlam '92. <laughs> All right, boys. Yeah, well, look, look what you walked into. Look what you walked into. I, I know. I had. I didn't get a chance to watch SummerSlam '92. So uh, maybe, maybe when you guys get around to like WrestleMania Nine, I can, uh, I can, I can make an appearance again. Oh, WrestleMania Nine, man. It was the uh, first WrestleMania that I had. A, I had a VHS of, probably because it was like fifty cents because it was so terrible. It was terrible, but I've seen that WrestleMania probably more than any other WrestleManias because my neighbor got it on VHS and burned me a copy or made me a copy. Oh, I've got like that WrestleMania memorized, but yeah, it was horrible. All right, boys, I got a kid to put back to bed because she won't go to sleep. So I'll, I'll, I'll see you. I'll see you tomorrow, CZ and Nick. I'll see you around. All right, buddy. Thanks for dropping by. Yeah, we appreciate you stopping in, DJ. Nice run in from our from the podcast, Tribal Chief DJ Jarvis. 
Uh, oh, yeah, it's always good to get his blessing, right? Absolutely. And I love I, it when I, someone tries. I love it when someone tries to tell me how old we are, and then it's like, "Yeah, we know, we know." Yeah, we're not. I mean, I look old. in the mirror, my beard, but old doesn't mean bad. Old just means we know more than you. Yeah, we know more, and we've chosen to cut out the stuff you don't need to know, right? Exactly. <laughs> Well, what, what you need to know is we get done with Crush and Repo, man. Thank goodness. And there's two matches left on the card. Uh, your title match, we're finally going to find out what corner Mr. Perfect's going to be in of Warrior and Macho. And then we also get uh, the main event, the Intercontinental Championship match. We're at the Hitman Hart and British Bulldog. Yes. Let's go to Warrior Savage. Oh, man, this was a barn burner. Uh, they both come out alone which causes the commentary team to question, well, where's Mr. Perfect? Who's he going to be in? Did neither of them, uh, did neither of them sell out to, to perfect? Uh, they go at it. Uh, Warrior pretty dominant for the start of it. Um, <clears throat> uh, Savage goes up to the top. He get, drops, a, drops a couple of double axe handles and then gets caught on the third one. And that's about the time that Flair and Perfect are coming out to ringside. Yeah, crowd, crowd is torn on this one. Uh, they're 50-50. They don't know who they want to win. They're behind both guys. Uh, the rare occurrence where we see a face versus face back in 1992. Uh, it happens yep. nearly all the time. Now, but you didn't see it as you didn't see it like this back in the day. And we're seeing it here in back-to-back -back matches. But uh, crowd's 50-50. You explained the, uh, the match right. Flair and Perfect come out. They play their hijinks back and forth, teasing and intervening. And then there comes the breaking point where Macho Man realizes, hey, Warrior's laying down, and I didn't knock him down. Whoa, what the hell yeah. is going on here, right? But instead of going for the pin uh, on, on the Warrior, Macho Man... Goes to the top rope and dives out of the ring at Flair. Uh, and he gets a chair to, I, I think, the stomach for his troubles. And thank God. Oh, no, it's to the knee. And thank God oh, Vince McMahon is not. Thank God Vince McMahon, the announcer, is not a doctor. Because that chair shot probably blew out his knee, according to Vince. <laughs> and, you know, the match comes down. You've got... You've got Macho outside. His knee is hurting. He's going after Flair. Uh, the match ends with a countout, which, let's be honest, nobody likes to see a countout victory uh, on a pay-per-view for a title match. Uh, Warrior gets the win, but Savage retains the title because the title must change hands on a pinfall or submission. Uh, and then... You know, you've got the beat down afterwards. Macho Man is getting his butt handed to him by Flair and Perfect. It's a total setup from the beginning. And, and the Nasty Boys join the fray. They do. It's total chaos out here. It's chaos in Wembley. Uh, I put on my notes, props to Macho for selling that knee injury all the way up that mile and a half ramp. Oh, absolutely. One of the all-time greats. I thought that was I thought that was funny. I, I had that noted on my 
of the few notes that I did take. But yeah, Bedlam after the match, Flair and Perfect. Uh, continue to show why they hate these guys. And yeah. And then backstage, Flair and Perfect, they call this their plan B. When no one signed with Mr. Perfect, they decided to take matters into their own hands. Great angle. Great angle. Now, and I was wrong on the Nasty Boys. The Nasty Boys beat him up on a on an angle leading up to it. But I did have right. that on my notes that the Nasties were involved earlier, uh, that they were not involved in this Wembley, in the Wembley match. And the nice thing about the way the Wembley match ended is, you know, you've got two faces. Warrior comes to Savage's rescue and chases Flair back up backstage. Correct. Now, I'm going to correct you here. There was one other match before we get to the, the big match at the end, and that okay. was Taker and Kamala. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. And I love Kamala. I love, it. I love how they booked this match. I love Kamala. <laughs> Stand out for me, uh, Harvey Whippleman, a big name in the 80, late 80s, early 90s, coming out, introducing Kamala, who comes down to the ring with – uh, his uh, his keeper, Kimchi, who I'm sorry, he looks like he keeps bees instead of a big Ugandan giant. Well, I, I put, uh, I want to correct you here real quick. That's Dr. Harvey Whippleman to you, okay? I apologize. Okay. okay. Just didn't <laughs> want to get, uh, didn't want to get uh, hate mail. But yeah, I put, he, he, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, not the first doctor, okay? Not even the second doctor because you look at Jerry Lawler's dentist, Dr. Isaac Yankum. Well, I was going to say there's an honorary doctorate with Slick, the doctor of style. So <laughs> he would be an honorary doctorate. And then you have John Cena, who's all the doctor of thugonomics. The doctor of thugonomics himself. We uh, just did our doctor. We just did our doctor, Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Uh, in case you just uh, tuned in here late, we have Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. We have Dr. Harvey Whipperman, uh, Whippleman. We have Dr. Isaac Yankum, DDS. And then we have uh, Dr. John Cena, uh, Dr. Fugnomics John Cena. And then honorary mention, honorary doctorate is Slick, the doctor of style. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed uh, Card Subject to Change. That was our Mount Rushmore <laughs> Of Doctor episodes, um, any further episode uh, recommendations? Please let. Oh, hey, what's going on there, man? Swerve, bro. We got more to talk <laughs> about with SummerSlam '92. <laughs> uh, I just went on the <laughs> So I didn't have a lot of notes on the Undertaker Kimchi match. I thought it was a an okay match. Uh, Kimchi causes the DQ. Uh, Kamala then. Beats the crap out of Taker at the end. Uh, but when Kamala goes to leave, Taker does his sit-up move, and everybody just goes nuts. I love uh, that. I've always loved how Kamala, like, looks scared around The Undertaker as he's attacking him and as he's getting attacked. I always thought Kamala uh, made The Undertaker character even more believable and, and scarier as a kid. Um, 
I know he probably wasn't the greatest wrestler in the world and the, probably didn't give Undertaker the best matches, but I'm telling you this, I love watching Kamal and the Undertaker together. Oh, they they did a brilliant job. They, they had good chemistry. It was a fun match to watch. Uh, you, you see a couple people in the crowd. They're dressed up like Taker. Uh, that always uh, gets a smile out of me when you see people dressed up as their favorite superstars. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, and then we, we switch gears and we go to the main event, the build for that. Uh, so we go backstage. Where where was Sean Mooney in the locker room talking to British Bulldog? And the line that stands out to me here is Bulldog says that when he gets in the ring with Brett, he doesn't – I don't even know you, Brett. That's – and these guys are these guys are brother-in-laws. So for that, the whole family rivalry for him to say that, um, that's pretty big going into this match. That is uh, that is the line of the night there as far as rivalry lines. I, I'm not sure how much you know about the background of this match going into it, uh, but I've read Brett's book, and then uh, the weekend of Ric Flair's retirement match, I uh, was able to watch the Bret Hart uh, him speak about this match uh, 30 years after the fact, and just a little background before about this match. Davy Boy was drugged out, recovering from injury. They knew they were going to have this match, and he would not return Brett's calls and dodged Brett for months. So some real-life heat going on here. Brett put this match together, knowing that Davy Boy um, was going to be a mess but didn't realize how much of a mess he was until the day of SummerSlam. And go back and watch this match. And knowing that Brett is out there doing the work of two wrestlers because the Bulldog was so messed up, he had no confidence, uh, was having panic attacks, and the Hitman goes out there and wrestles one of his most memorable matches. And it's also known as Bulldog's biggest win. Um, but Brett was the, no pun intended, heart and soul of the match, uh, knowing what we know now. Oh, for sure. And, you know, knowing that, <clears throat> it makes you look at this match differently. So you, you hear Brett's words and you look at, you watch this match, uh, you watch it without knowing that, and then you go back and you watch it with knowing that it changes how you sure. feel about what you're seeing. Sure. And Brett knew in his heart of hearts that he had to go out there and not let Davey down by having to carry Davey so Davey wouldn't be let down in front of his wife, in front of his homeland. And knowing that was Davey's biggest match of his career, uh, Brett's a pro's pro and went out there and not only doing, you know, putting him over, but making him look like a million dollars in the process. Oh, for sure. He made, he made Bulldog look fantastic. I mean, the and, match Bulldog, and now listen, you go, you watch that. You didn't know Bulldog is no wrestling his demons and having a hard time uh, up to that match. And that day, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't messed up for the match. 
but he wasn't in the best shape of the world. Go back and look at the rest holds. Those are for Davey. Those are for Davey so he can stay in the match and have enough gas at the end. Um, Brett made that a point. And uh, if you ever want to read a great biography, Bret Hart's probably the best wrestling book I have read. There's some great ones out there, but that's it's up there and definitely goes in depth with that. But uh, Davey Boy was always forever indebted to Brett for that match and, and, and everything behind it uh, from SummerSlam 1992. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> you look at the match itself, it it couldn't have been any better than it was. You've got the hometown boy winning in his home country. Uh, the crowd clearly behind Davy Boy through most of the match. You do have some sprinkling of uh, fans cheering for Bet Brett, but when he walked out to the ring, he walked out to a load of boo- a booing. The crowd was very against him as he as he got to the ring. Oh, for uh, sure, for sure. That's their homeboy. That's uh, you know. That's Davy Boy wearing the Union Jack. That's their boy. They got to be behind the, the the home the the, the countrymen and and you know knowing what we know now, what a match it was. You get the you get the the memorable moment afterwards, where yep. you know Brett Brett finally buries the hatchet. And, you know the the battle's over. Uh, hands on the belt, hugs him, shakes hands, hugs his sister. Great ending. Uh, to the 1992 SummerSlam, uh, a great way to close it out. And it's hard to believe that a little over 30 years later, we're getting another outdoor stadium show for the first time uh, since SummerSlam 92. Yeah, and <clears throat> I think uh, I think that show is going to be fantastic. Uh, we're going to give you a little teaser of next week. I've got the match card in front of me here. Um, only five matches on the card right now. I think there's, there's, uh, it's going to be a, a quick build, but I think there's room for a couple of more for sure. Um, let me just go over what's already announced. So obviously you've got the big main event. You've got Drew versus Roman for the WWE universal undisputed. I don't know how they pronounce it. The, the 5 million name two times for all the belts. For all the belts. <laughs> Uh, you've got Liv Morgan versus Shayna Baszler for the women's title. Uh, have to imagine that uh, Ronda Rousey is going to involve herself in that match somehow. Sure. Uh, that I guess anyway. Uh, you've got the uh, the trio of Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka taking on Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky. That should be a really good match for three women. Um, <coughs> and then the next two matches that have been announced, uh, honestly, I'm on the fence as to which one is going to steal the show. You've got Rollins versus Riddle, which is for sure going to be a fantastic high, high octane match. And then you've got the heavy hitters. You've got Sheamus versus Gunther for the Intercontinental title. That's that, the match I'm. For. That's the match I'm looking forward to the most. That is going to be absolutely brutal. Uh, now, I'm not a booker or a writer for the WWE, but if it were me booking the booking the card, the two matches that I would add would be Gargano versus Austin Theory, or just Theory, uh, sorry, uh, as they call him now, and then I would book a triple threat for the United States Championship with Bobby Lashley 
AJ Styles and Ciampa. Yeah, that I remains don't really to be anything on the SmackDown side being added. That remains to be seen for sure. Uh, definitely with Raw and SmackDown yet this week to uh, to fill that card. Five matches, but you got to think one or two matches will be will be uh, will be added to that card. Not just a big week for the WWE this week. We also are heading into what is called the biggest show of the year for AEW All Out in Chicago. They'll be having Dynamite Live on Wednesday, Rampage Live on Friday, and of course All Out Live on Sunday. The card is massive, and you got to believe there's going to be another match added to it, CZ. Yeah, I'm anxious to see what that's going to be. Let's let's look at what we've got already booked here. Uh, we've got the so. Uh, Thunder Rosa just announced she is injured, unable to compete for the women's title. So the match between her and Tony Storm is a no-go. They are crowning an interim women's champion. Uh, don't get me started on that. We had a bit of a talk on that last time we were on the air. Uh, but you got Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter. Uh, uh, I have Hillary. I don't think her name is Hillary. What is her name? Sheeta? Uh, my, I think my my Zakara notes just Zakara Kuda. Zakara. Yeah, my Kuda. Notes just, and then Doctor Britt Baker DMD. Um, I'm I'm anxious. I think this will be a good match. I don't know who, where I would call it. Uh, honestly, I'd say it's going to be between Baker and Storm. If I were to put it down on paper, um, we've got Chris Jericho. Uh, in probably his final match before he starts touring with Fozzie and takes a wrestling break for a little bit, uh, going against the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. And we're not just getting any Jericho, we are getting the Lionheart Chris Jericho once again. So that ought to be a good match. Um, Christian takes me. on. Like Go ahead. Oh, I, I'm fine. I love the Lionheart incarnation, and I hope we get it. Uh, I hope we get the that same Lionheart we got. Uh, against, um, was it Moxley? A few yeah, weeks back. Yeah. That energy would just be fantastic. This is, I think this is probably going to be the match of the night, if I were to call it. Okay. Uh, you've got Christian versus Jungle Boy. Long time feud coming to a head there. Uh, Swerve in our glory. So Swerve Strickland. Uh, Keith Lee, they called their shot. They said, hey. Let's let the acclaimed fight for the titles. So we'll see that. Uh, Wardlow and FTR against Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns. Uh, another well, another fire classic. Uh, looking forward to that one. Thank God they put the Motor City Machine Guns in and took out Sanjay Dutt and uh, Statman Singh. Um, looking forward to that. That's going to be a good one. Um, Oh, I can't wait to see the Motor City Machine Guns and FTR mix it up. That is going to be a classic. Uh, we've also got Ricky Starks taking on Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, that should be a pretty heavy hitting match. Probably, probably put Hobbs over in that one if I were to make a pick. Uh, we've got the Casino Ladder match. And honestly, as the card stands right now, Without that ninth match, if they don't add a world title match, uh, my pick for the main event would be the trios final to crown the new trios champion. Uh, that that screams main event as things stand right now. But 
I'm guessing you're right. I'm guessing we're going to see a title match thrown in there for the AEW World Championship because honestly, can you can you have your biggest pay per view of the year without a title match, without a world title match? I don't think so, and I think we're going to get that title match added on Wednesday night. Um, but yeah, nine matches right now. That title match would make it ten if it's added. And as it looks right now, uh, your final four teams for that trios tournament. On Dynamite, it'll be Omega and the Bucks against Will Ospreay and Aussie Open. And then over on Rampage, it's going to be the best friends against uh, the Dark Order. So there's going to be a little surprise and intrigue there left. Uh, a lot of things could happen. And you got to think that ladder match, they're not going to announce those participants until we get that final set. So you could have a Will Ospreay and a Pac be a part of that ladder match. So... Who knows? Looking forward to it. And uh, Wednesday can't get here quick enough for me. Oh, I can I can see that. I'm uh, I'm excited to watch Raw on Monday, personally, to see what they're going to throw onto the Clash of the Castle card. I'm excited for Dynamite on Wednesday uh, to see what we're going to get as far as the world title picture. This is going to be a great full-length week in wrestling. I mean, show board to board. Monday to Sunday, we're gonna have some some really <clears throat> excuse me some really intriguing um, things happen. It'll be interesting to see what shakes out by the time we get to Saturday, the start of the weekend, and the two big pay per views. Can't wait! I, I'm looking forward to it, and of course, uh, stay tuned. Here we will have you uh, informed, updated, and entertained, as they say. Uh, in this coming week of wrestling. And <clears throat> that's going to put a bow on the show for today. Uh, so thank you, Nick. This has been a great show. I've had a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to roll out oh, like we rolled in with our new music here. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to next weekend. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at CS uh, I'm sorry yeah CSTC podcast you can find Nick at NickBull55 I am at the Wizard CZ you've been listening to Card Subject to Change on the For Frequency Sake podcast network uh, Nick you have a good rest of your week and we will see you all uh, next weekend good night <laughs>